welcome back to the Chat with Matt podcast where we talk fitness, adventure, positive mentality, spirituality, relationships, business, and all that good stuff. Today's guest is comedian and podcaster Shane Todd. It's always a fun, lighthearted chat with Shane. We touched on how he turned his passion into a successful career and having no safety net to fall back on. I've been following Shane for years and I'm buzzing that he was able to join me for a chat. Without further ado, let's chat with Max. Shane Todd, welcome to the Chat with Matt podcast. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm, it, it's good to be here. We've rescheduled this probably about 85 times, so it's uh, it's good to finally be on. You're a tough man to locate, dude. You're a tough I'm man an, to locate. I'm either an international jet setter or uh, I'm just minding the sun quite a few days this week, so it's one of the two. It's one you're, of the two. I feel like you're mysterious, dude. You go for that sort of look, you know. You're just like, who knows what you're up to? I like to just I move in the shadows and uh, I just like keep my cards close to my chest. Do you really think I'm mysterious? I think I'm probably like legitimately the least mysterious guy <laughs> of all time. <laughs> There's I no don't know. Mystery. I can see you being an MI5 or something like that there. You look, I like you've got the quiff and all for it. Yeah, I like that. But no, that like, unfortunately, there's no mystery with me. I'm like just, I'm just quite a dull, normal guy. But then an MI5 agent would say that. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, uh, I seen you there at the weekend, obviously. How did you find Dermot Kennedy? It was great. It was really good. It's good to just, I forgot how much I miss live music concerts because I've been able to go to stand, perform and watch stand up for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, even in September, last September during COVID, we got to do some shows. So I don't think I've missed stand up because I've been around it a lot. But music is one of those things that I probably didn't go and see as many gigs as I should you know because i love music mm-hmm. and then since bell sonic's been on i've just been making up for lost time like i want to go see everybody lame gallagher just cancelled i saw uh, so i got it about that but uh but but mu- live music you just you can't beat it like it's just such a good it's a atmosphere. good atmosphere yeah yeah so it's good to just see people out having fun you know yeah and you say you haven't been away from the stand-up side of things like there was a period though probably about a year for a while how did it feel going back in the stand-up after that your first gig it was different to what i thought it would be because i thought the nerves would cripple me like i thought the nerves would just kill me and it would be tough Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that it wasn't tough but the actual like giddiness and the excitement of being able to do it again overpowered everything else so the first gig back that i did was a garden gig so my mate vittorio um runs a garden gig from his parents garden in belfast and uh, that so there was like 40 people there obviously socially distanced he built a stage yeah and uh it was one Wait, of the my biggest is garden it's seven thousand foot no it's <laughs> uh it wasn't that big it's just like just a fairly regular garden, but the way they had it set up was class. They got all these sofas and chairs and, uh, and honestly, like driving home from that, I just had, I, I nearly got, I'm not very, not that emotional of a guy, but, but I did, I did nearly get pretty emotional when I did my first gig back. Cause it was just. No, that's your career. That's your life. Like, 
you know. Yeah, it's my career and also a big part of my social life as well because, you know, I go to a lot of gigs. I'm friends with comedians and and uh, and I'm used to just being in that environment. So when that goes away, like it is, it definitely is tough. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, because you just went and just followed your passion. Like, I want to kind of know how you got started. What's your story with getting into comedian? Because it's, it's not the typical career path, as you know, and no. uh, it's very high risk. So, you know, you never know what's going to come from it. And there's a high probability that it's not going to go anywhere, but you've definitely made a success of it. Um, my story is that I, I, I have always like loved comedy, like not just stand up, but just the idea of comedy, like making people laugh, people making me laugh, like from, from no age, that's something I always enjoyed was making people laugh. And whether that was doing like impressions of people or silly voices or whatever. And I kind of came from sort of raised by like very, very working class family. So there was always that um, environment of like people just taking the piss out of each other, basically. <laughs> but, but, but there was love there too, if that makes sense. So you kind of had to always be on your toes. Uh, and then I, I grew up just loving stand up, loving comedy. And then whenever I was about, 17 or 18 I started thinking wonder is that something I could I could do and I went to the Empire Comedy Club to watch and um, there was a guy on from Ballymena who seemed quite young and uh, and all the other acts were English or Scottish or whatever but this was a guy from here and uh, and he was he was brilliant and he, he actually went on to be like he still is a really really good friend of mine so I just I kind of got curious about doing stand-up then and when I was 18 I was in tech, I went to college and felt a lot more comfortable when I went to college um, just because like I went to an old boys school and I didn't, I didn't hate school, but it was great to be wearing your own clothes, a bit more independent. So I felt yeah. like more comfortable <clears throat> as a person. And I did my first gig when I was 18 and it was brutal. It was so bad. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Like the first gig is always supposed for comedians. It's, it's a, test and our trial trial process isn't it so you make material and then you trial it and stuff but obviously you're a complete novice at that stage so yeah you don't know unless you like know a stand-up which is unlikely you don't know how to do stand-up or when it goes wrong what do i do and and just get like those tips and stuff like i mean i'm sure now with youtube there's videos mm-hmm. which might help a bit but uh but it really is like the complete unknown because I'd done like no stage stuff before. Like I'd, I didn't come from a, an acting background or anything. I would never have done a school play or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when I did my first gig and it started to go badly, I just didn't know what to do. But I kind of started talking about the fact that it was going badly and I, I got away with it. A bit. <laughs> and when I was when I was 18, I looked about 15. So I kind of got away with it because people sort of felt sorry for me and, and that sort of thing. But uh but yeah, I just, I started doing it when I was really young. I realized I enjoyed it and I loved the idea that it could be a future career, but I never, I didn't think you could do that here. You know, mm-hmm. I thought maybe if you live in America or you live in London, like that's something you could do. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I never thought like long-term it's something I would even continue to do, but, uh, but I've been doing it for 14 years. Which is that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the big thing is how after you like just bombed on the first 
first time you're really young like 17 18 like it must have felt absolutely terrible because you're probably practicing doing all that how did you where did you go from there like did you just say oh this is just a start and i'm just gonna keep going well the good thing was it was kind of there was a laugh there was laughs but a lot of it was kind of not even pity laughs it was just kind of like it clearly hadn't gone well so i just started i was only doing a five minute set so i was just talking about like no i thought this would have gone better and that was like getting laughs if that makes sense so <laughs> so as enough it, it you would consider it a bomb definitely but i think after that i was like well i've 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 scratched that itch, if you like, I've done stand-up, so that's kind of, I don't have to do it again. And then it was about six months later when um, when I decided, like, I'd give it another go. And the second time went so much better, mm-hmm. so much better. And then after that, I just felt like, okay, this is something I, I want to keep doing at some you level. that as well. I knew I could be good at it. I didn't think I was good at it. And <laughs> I don't think, I still don't think, I think now... It comes really naturally to me, but it didn't at the start. Like there are people I see start doing stand up, and you can tell straight away, like yeah, they they get it. And it, I think it took a long time for me. I think the, when I started, there wasn't a lot of people my age doing it, so I didn't really have people to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and and I was kind of doing things like not like ripping off material, but I, I was almost trying to act on stage like certain comedians. Like I was heavily influenced. Yeah, whatever comedian I was watching at the time. So it took me a it took me years to kind of feel like me on stage or feel feel comfortable. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Do you think uh, comedy, like stand up, is is natural, or do you think it can be learned, or is it a bit of both? You can learn. I mean, there's comedy courses and that sort of thing, and I don't think anything like that can make you a good or successful comedian. But I think what, what it can do is get you in a room with people who are new to stand up as well. Mm-hmm. So you get a bit of confidence in the nerves kind of, you know, you can learn how to deal with the nerves better and you're with other comedians who you're thinking in more of a comedy way. Um, I don't think you can teach someone to be funny. No. Yeah. You, you, can, you can teach someone to appear more confident. But I think stand up is a very there's a very particular thing about it where mm-hmm. like you, you kind of either have it or you don't. But look, you can definitely like you can get better. Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can do certain things. Like I'm always looking to to improve at what I at what I do. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you can you can take advice. Like there's basic advice you would give to stand ups, like the things I didn't do, like be your own person and do what you think's funny, not what you think other people are going to find funny um but I, I think you can i don't think you can learn it but i think you can do subtle things that make you better at it so you can be all right at it if you're not funny but you can be really you can't you can't really pass that you don't think that's fair because i just imagine it i'm just like i'm not that funny like i'm probably funny to like like a to an all right standard like i'm, I'm just People laugh at me, not with me. Well, but no, you, when you, I you, you make you make people laugh. Yeah, a little bit. But like you're I just imagine going around in your head and the way you look at things and your perspective is just hilarious. Like 24-7. I do have a thing where I I I struggle to take a lot of things seriously. And and it can it can it can annoy people, like, but I will always try and think of the funny in everything. 
but mm. not to the point where I can't be like a normal person. You know, if like, you know, if someone I know tells me about someone close to them that's died, I'm not going to be straight away like firing jokes at them. <laughs> but but if there is like a very serious or even tragic situation, I always, I, I always, I always like laughing. Like I always like, yeah. I always, like if you can find the funny angle in something and do it in a kind of semi-respectful way, then I think you should. Um, but I don't, I'm not always kind of in comedy mode in terms of everything that I, I'm not always thinking of material because you do need to switch off as well. You know, you do need to have, you do, you do need to have times where you're just going about doing, doing normal things and, and, experiencing things in a way that kind of everybody else does you know if you if you just sat all day writing material you become like detached to everything so you need to kind of go out and do normal things and then you'll see when you're not expecting it you'll see something that leads to mm. becomes a bit you know yeah so when you're out in your day-to-day life that's where you get your inspiration for material yeah from all different places and all different things and there's not really a rhyme or reason to it. It could be the most random thing. Um, and my, my process is I'll kind of like have the idea in my head, I'll think about it. And then I'll use the notes on my phone and I'll write a couple of like keywords to remind me of it. Mm-hmm. And then then, then I'll, I'll write a little bit about it. And then the next time I'm doing stand-up, I'll just start talking about it. I'll try and have a beginning, middle and an end, but in between I'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so like sometimes you can you can think you have the funniest idea. You're like, this bit will be like an unbelievable bit. And then you could try it and it just never works or vice versa. You can have a bit where you don't, you think it's good, but you don't think it's amazing. And then you do it on stage and it, it kills. Yeah. It's- I actually had that situation. So I obviously have never been a stand-up comedian, but I was the best man at my brother's wedding. And it was a speech in front of like three, 400 people. Like, so it was a big one. I think I was 21 at the time. And I practice and practice like this. I was working down at the Torella, you know, at the beach, just uh, yeah. doing nothing all day, except just writing on this, this sheet and just researching jokes and stuff. And there was one bit where I was like, I, f- I first met my brother in 95 because he's like six years older than me. And I didn't think it was that funny, but it got the biggest laughs. It was like, just like banged. I was like, that really wasn't that funny. And, and you can see that sometimes when people don't expect a big laugh because you, you, your natural instinct is to keep talking, is to mm. just move on to the next bit and the next bit. Yeah. But actually you kind of learn that when something, even if it's unexpected, does land, you just have to let it sit in the room and let people laugh and then wait to talk again. But I see that all the time and I'm probably guilty of it where you do like a funny bit and then you just out of nerves, you want to get into the next bit, you know? There's mm. so many techniques to it. I'm interrupting this podcast to give you a short word from our sponsors. People ask me all the time, Matt, why are you so tall and jack looking? I tell them, I'm wearing a move extra small clothing. As an Irish training and lifestyle clothing and accessories brand, their ethos is all about striving towards being the best version of you. Never ordinary. The core purpose of MOVE is encouraging their community to dream, commit and succeed. Since their debut back in 2020, MOVE has rooted itself in developing gym and casual wear and creating a community for everyone in every sport. 
The ranges are available on their website are emblematic of that vision, bringing high quality fabrics, versatile for wearing anywhere from training to hiking to chilling. Join the Move Evolution. Make sure you tag Move on your Move related socials at we.r.move. We look forward to welcoming you to the movement. See you out there. Peace. Be good to you and be good to the planet. Glenisk, Ireland's organic dairy, brings you bio yogurt in climate neutral packaging using locally sourced organic milk. Confidence is a big thing with stand-up comedian. Where do you get your confidence from? Just practicing and just experience? Yeah, probably knowing that I've put the work in. You know, knowing that uh, I, I dedicate loads of time to this and I'm, I'm passionate about it and I think I'm good at it. So I'm confident that I've done the work beforehand. Um, and also there's, there's a bit of natural confidence as well that has come over time with me. Like I wouldn't have had that when I was 18, 19 starting. Mm-hmm. But um, when you've been doing something for so long, I, I guess you just trust that you're nine out of 10 times you're, you're going to do well at it. But yeah. still, obviously, there are times when you don't do well at it. Do you still, uh, I know you say you got nervous for your first gig back, but do you still get very nervous for all your gigs or is it not not for all of them no sometimes i'll just have zero like zero percent nerves and then sometimes i can i can have quite a lot of nerves it depends when it is where it is um who's there you know it can depend the slightest thing can throw you off but if i've played chances are if i've played the venue before mm-hmm. uh, then i'll i'll be a hundred percent calm mm-hmm. but but it's not like a i'm not like relaxed i'm still on my toes and mm-hmm. I just, I just feel like okay, like healthy bounce. Yeah. yeah, you've got a big show coming up, SSC Arena. So, how many people is that in front of? Thirty. That's going to be, that's gonna be about three thousand. There's two shows. It's going to be about hopefully about three thousand each. Oh, that's way off. <laughs> that'll be the biggest. That'll be the biggest ever. That'll and, be great. Uh, I will. I will be nervous for that. Like I'll definitely, <laughs> no matter how much I prepare, I'll be nervous for that. But I think I, I've learned over the years to not fear the nerves and know and know how to channel it yeah into like into like good nerves because you, you they can if they get you a stand-up like the nerves like mm-hmm. you you do that's the last thing you want to appear is nervous on stage because people smell fear and then yeah. all of a sudden that that's when you can get heckled or mm-hmm. audience can start to talk amongst themselves all the worst things that can happen mm-hmm. usually if you go out there like no one wants anyone that comes out cocky like nobody wants that it's not a good way to be on stage um, but if you go out as confident and relaxed, then people can switch off a bit and go, he's got this, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's part of the act as well, though, is to be like comedians. Any comedian I think of just comes out the stage, just not occur in the world. It's sort of like a sort of a, a, a bit more, it adds a bit more to the act. Well, that's what you're trying to do for the audience. You're trying to make them forget all their cares in the world you know that's what mm. that's what good comedy is it's um it's making people forget everything else that's going on and just focus on the thing they're doing i'm sure you know you when you do a good work it's like when you do a good workout i'm sure you feel like when you're in that like whatever else is going on is not there or you're playing football like and you just play football and mm. and things like like when you're doing something well nothing else is going on and that's what that's what you want to do with stand-up mm-hmm. 100 percent
That's interesting. So I want to take it to a different sort of direction. And um, I know we'll kind of touch on this a little bit, but like you have to, to go into that career, you have to have a mindset of, you have to have a very independent mindset. When you were transitioning, you went from school and then you're like, I want to do comedy. Did you have your parents saying, don't do that? Did you have society saying, it's not really a career path that's going to work probably what what were your thoughts did you just go full steam ahead and just like i don't care and just go do what i'm interested in i think at the start when i was just going to try it um yeah my, my mom and dad were really supportive like very much like good on you for trying it and um and they were kind of low-key about it because they are very uh, that's what i would have expected like they are very supportive Mm-hmm. society it's one of those things where and you just have to kind of take it with a pinch of salt when you say you want to do stand-up and you live in northern ireland everyone's like sure i'm funny on you or like you know or, <laughs> or like or, or just have banter with you um but that's kind of good you know so no i didn't have anyone telling me i shouldn't do it um obviously your mates will tell you that as a joke um but then when i went when i went full time into it after i've been doing stand-up for mm-hmm. i suppose eight years or so um, everybody was really, really supportive. I suppose you have some people saying, you know, you should think about the financial side of it and, and all that. And of, of course, I, I did that. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that to a certain stand-up is such an unpredictable industry and business, more so than music or anything else, um, yeah. as COVID kind of proved. But um, I didn't really have, I couldn't really have a safety net to do it. Like, I don't come from... Um, like money like you know my family can't support me um and and i just had to give it a give it a go i gave myself six months i was like i'll wait six months if it's not working i'll go back i was working on a call center i was like i'll go back to do it mm-hmm. and I was, I'm, I'm sure i was very very, very close to it uh, but it just took one thing that i got one job or whatever doing a tv thing and it led to something else and and definitely like there's there's no there's no point. I, I hope there's no point where I go like, oh, well, this is this is for life. You know, I like still having that hustle of like, I've got to keep working on this and make it happen because you, you can't assume that you're always going to be funny to people or that you're always going to be relevant or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then also you, you, on the other side of it, you don't have, you shouldn't force that as well. You shouldn't constantly try and reinvent yourself or anything like that. But yeah, when I went full time at it, I think. 99% of people were, were just really, really supportive. And I think in Northern Ireland, especially, like a lot of people fear kind of put, putting your neck out and, and actually going for something and doing it, you know, where mm-hmm. I think we, we're from a society of like, you know, just know what your lot is and, and be happy with it. You know, mm-hmm. people, when you step out of your lane, kind of, it's, it can, it can frighten people a bit and, and, people don't know how to react so the natural reaction can be to go like what are you doing that for but actually actually when you do it you'll find that a lot of the people that were skeptical or tried to talk you out of it are the first ones to say like here you know respect for respect for doing that yeah i feel you're 100 right there because when i went to america when i moved to the u.s i came back and my sister and my brother and all i was always probably the more confident one not confident but just I just like don't care a lot of the time. Like I'll just do something and not care what people think. But when I went to America and came back, they're like, you're just 
completely changed like you're just so much more conviction in what doing things that like love island for example like i didn't care what people said so i think with ireland northern ireland uk and stuff people people need to be less hard on themselves i think you know what i mean it's like oh big time yeah big time yeah just just actually doing things that might make you happy there's a lot to be said for it you know to to actually go for things you know and and the people that i I didn't really experience this but if i did say i'm going into stand-up full-time i want to make this my career Mm -hmm. if people like bash you for that or attack you for that or whatever I'm, I'm pretty sure that would be because they have something inside them that they didn't go for or, that, mm-hmm. or something they still want to go for, but they, they're scared to do it. Um, but yeah. it, was, it, it was fun to just go and attack it and, and do it. And if it didn't work out or if it doesn't work out in the future, I'll always be, I'll always be happy that I, that I did go for it, that I gave it a shot, you know? I think you're a shining example for those people, for a lot of people, young people today not even young people all people essentially that want to do something and are afraid to do it like you went from a like a comedian is essentially it's nearly harder to be a comedian than it is to be a singer a musician all that stuff it's like probably the most unpredictable career to go into and you made a success out of it um yeah, it, I mean, I would consider it, I would say it's, it's going well at the minute. And I think that's the best way to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to stay on your toes. Like a lot of cool stuff happening at the minute, but there's no guarantee that that is this. And, and, I, and I am a very like optimistic person, mm-hmm. but I, I think you, you, I don't want to coast, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just go like, right, well, this is, this is grand. I can stop trying almost, you know, because. Mm-hmm. I've been trying for so long and I don't, I don't want to ever stop doing that. I don't want to ever stop being funny, you know? So yeah, you, you have to work at that. You have to work at that. You have to kind of know what's going on at the world. You have to always be like last night, for example, I was pretty tired, but I just fancied going down to Lavery's comedy club to do five minutes of new material. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it's a long drive. I knew it was going to be back quite late and it's new material. So it might not work. And I did it and it was it was grand. Some bits worked, some didn't. It was fine. But I really got a lot out of it. And when I'm driving home, I was like, thank God I did that, you know, because you could kind of just be happy doing the big, if you want to call them the big shows like the SSE and that kind of thing. But but actually, it, 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 going to places like libraries, that's like going to the gym. That's like... Uh, yeah, repetitions. Doing, yeah. doing reps, exactly. That's what exactly. Joe, Joe Rogan, I listened to a couple of his podcasts about the, uh, being a comedian and stuff. And he said, it's just repetition. He used to go to the comedy club or whatever and play comedy like 10 people and just do that like five times a week, three times a week, whatever. Just keep on yeah. doing it, perfecting it. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what you have to. And, and, and you have to just keep going out and doing the things. We don't have a big comedy scene here. We have a good comedy scene, but there's not that many gigs. Mm-hmm. So if you lived in London or LA where Joe Rogan lived, um, you could go up four or five times a night doing spots. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that here, so you have to take what's there mm-hmm. and, and be willing to travel and at times do it for do it for free. Just just go down and do it to to do it. You know, there's a lot to be said for being uncomfortable, putting yourself in those positions. You go to a gym, you're uncomfortable. You go up to Laverty's at ten o'clock at night and do you five minutes. You're not comfortable. You'd rather be at home 
with your family. You yeah, I mean? yeah. But that's the level of sacrifice you're giving towards achieving your goal. Yeah, and look, it's not. It doesn't feel like much of a sacrifice at all. You know, you're going down to hang out with your mates, even though it's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to be a good crowd, and and you know you worked on the material, so it feels like a bit of a chore at the time. But then when you get home, you're like, well, look, that was that was nothing. But yeah. I've got something out of it because I know that bit works and that bit doesn't, or I should do this differently, you know? I think the big thing is it's your passion though as well. So even when yeah. you are like driving 50 minutes, whatever, to get up to Belfast and you're doing five minutes stints and you're all that stuff, it's still something you enjoy. So you, you make that sacrifice and then you come back after doing the work and you're just satisfied. You're satisfied with everything. Because yeah, exactly. And- Again, it's that thing of kind of because I've put myself out there. You know what I mean? I'm 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 satisfied that I went and tried this thing, and my next gig is going to be Friday. Friday. So if I didn't do that, if I didn't go out and do that, then my last gig was last weekend. It'd be a week in between shows, and that's kind of too long. That's too long. So mm-hmm. the more spots, I mean, ideally I would do stand up six nights a week. It's not possible here. And I don't want to, I'm not going to move. So I have to just do as many gigs as I possibly can. Yeah, and that's what it's about. But um, Shane, this is brilliant. Uh, I want to ask you one question. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened on stage? I need to know this question. It'll be funny. Embarrassing thing that's happened on stage. Um, Even on a gig, no, anything. There's nothing worse than um, when you, when you, sort of mess up the mic you know taking the mic out of the, so the comedian before you put the microphone in the stand yeah chances are if you come up you take the mic out you put your microphone stand to one side and you, you do your act mm-hmm. but um the worst thing was when i was quite new to stand up and you kind of need to learn how to use a microphone put a microphone together it takes two minutes to learn it but it's worth it as i found out i remember doing a gig i was pretty young and just started and it's one of those ones where by the time I got up to the stage, they'd stopped applauding. That's always a really worrying sign. You know, oh, if you do a gig, the yeah. MC says uh, Matthew McNabb, and then everyone applauds. And by the time you take the microphone out, they're still applauding and you say cheers. Yeah. But you know an audience isn't into it if you walk up the stage and by the time you take the microphone out, they're like, okay, let's go. That's tough. So oh. I remember getting up and then ripping the mic out of the stand and the lead, the XLR lead came out. And I didn't realize the lead had come out um, <laughs> because I'm nervous. And I start doing stand-up, but there's no, like, the, it's not coming through. Oh um, I'm, like, trying to do my bits. And then a guy has, like, made your microphone. And I'm like, shit, I don't know what to do. And I take the mic, and it's got, like, you know, three prongs. And you're trying yes. to put it into the thing of the mic. And my hands, my hands shook the first three years I did stand-up. My hands used to shake a bit, a bit. And you learn how to disguise it, the way you hold the microphone and stuff. But yeah. I was shaking and I couldn't put the thing, I couldn't put the thing in. And uh, people started talking amongst themselves. And then a guy who it just looked like my dad had come to help me out. This <laughs> guy came up and put it in for me and like patted me on the shoulder. And then the rest of the set was brutal. So <laughs> I definitely had moments like that. My mate Aaron Butler fell off stage in Newry. Um, no way. And it was like a small gig. And it was as he was walking up to the microphone. See, when something like that happens, you can't get the audience back. They're gone. They're gone. They're like this guy. Say, whatever you say isn't going to be as funny as when you fell off the stage <laughs> and did that thing, you know? It's just the peak of the performance is at the very start. So it only goes downhill from there. 
Exactly. I've had a thousand embarrassing moments on stage and hopefully will continue to have them because I'm weird and I enjoy when like embarrassing things or whatever happened to me because I enjoy then getting to tell people about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it adds to the act the next time you do it. Yeah, that's when like genuinely when I had I, I got I got circumcised about three, four months ago and uh and I was like, oh, I couldn't, could do without this. But then I was like, in my head, I'm going, well, I'll get material into it. And I've got like a 10 minute <laughs> it, so, so I don't mind. Just put yourself through extreme discomfort just to yeah. get the material. Go for it. Just getting unnecessary surgeries. But is that yeah, why you go like, to the gym? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just waiting for something to fall on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my man, this has been an absolute pleasure. You're a legend. Um, Thanks for having me on. No, thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote there? Your Instagram handle, your shows, all that stuff? Shane Todd Comedy. My handle's different on every social media platform. Someone recently told me I should change that. Uh, but just Shane Todd, you'll find me. I'm out there. Yeah. I'm out there, but I'm mysterious. So, you know, might not be me. <laughs> there we go. You're listening to the Chat With Matt podcast. And that was Shane Todd. Thank you so much. Matt, thanks a million, mate. Get ready, set.